Blog Talk Radio. It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone. want to thank you, as always, for tuning in, no matter where you are. We now have uh, what we kind of always have, but we now have uh, our show picked up by two of the largest podcasts. I think they are the largest podcast networks in India, the beautiful country of India, beautiful people. We have a lot of listeners over there, and uh, hopefully one day I can come over to visit your beautiful country to meet some of you listeners in person. I would love to, uh, very fascinated by, um, kind of going off subject here a minute, but there is a, a uh, he's an archaeologist in India, Praveen Mohan, and I'm a, I subscribe to his uh, Facebook page, and he has the most fascinating video clips of his explorations of all of these ancient temples throughout India. And these are like really, really ancient findings. And he does such a, just an amazing, thorough job with uh, explaining and sharing the details of his explorations and just giving back good, great background information about some of these beautiful temples. And so I hope one day that I can go over to that part of the world and uh, maybe meet Praveen or, or if not, just see some of these ancient temples because I am such a, a fan, fascinated by ancient civilizations throughout the world. But that brings me back to subject here. We have three guests here, and they are very talented filmmakers and also uh, film festival founders, and we'll get to them shortly. But first, I want to get to my first guest. His name is Travis, A-N-D-R-A-D-E, I think it's pronounced Andrade. Travis, I hope I'm not messing your last name up, but it's Travis, A-N-D-R-A-D-E. I think it's Andrade or Andrade. Uh, When he first called, I didn't pick up the the right pronunciation of his last name, but I'm close, I hope. Well, nevertheless, today, Wednesday, April 28th, Travis's uh, current film short is titled Wesley, and it will be screening at the Beverly Hills Film Festival. That, that's, as I said, it starts today all the way through Sunday, May 2nd. And uh, after the Beverly Hills Film Festival, the film is titled Wesley again. It will then go to the Big Apple Film Festival May 25th through the 27th, and also it will, uh, May 12th through the 15th, Wesley will be screened at the New Haven International Film Festival. So Wesley, the film, is going to be very busy throughout the summer. So let me tell you what, uh, just a, a snippet about what the film is about. Wesley is a film that explores the impact of a pervasive 
gun culture. Yeah, that's us here in America. And how it's, it's effect, the psychological effect on this little 11-year-old boy by the name of Wesley. Yes, the character, lead character Wesley, he is, gets kind of caught up, uh, I don't want to tell too much, with a gun and it kind of takes off from there. So I will tell you that Travis, um, his, he's a very established and successful filmmaker. Um, this, this particular film, Wesley, has won Best International Short at the Manchester Film Festival over in England. It was the Best U.S. Short at the Rosarito International Film Festival in Mexico, Rosarito, Mexico. It was a finalist last year at the Vancouver Inter- Independent Film Festival and a semi-finalist at the 2020 Flickers Rhode Island International Film Festival. So it has done very very well on the film festival circuit, continuing to do so. So um, I'll tell you a little bit more about Travis. He is an award-winning filmmaker. His films have been screened at international film festivals throughout North America, as well as in Europe and Australia. And earlier in his career, Travis um, did a lot of successful music videos for uh, Interscope Records uh, and Virgin Records that has been seen by tens of millions of uh, viewers throughout the world. So he, again, is a very talented, established uh, filmmaker. And so now Travis uh, has a new film, new film short called Wesley, that uh, will be screened starting this week, starting today, actually, at the Beverly Hills Film Festival. So, And, of course, that film festival uh, will be done virtually, like so many are. So if you are a fan of film festivals, and you should be, Nothing wrong with film festivals. Uh, go to, I believe the website is beverlyhillsfilmfestival.com and you can sign up and do your magic so that you can get to see this film, Wesley, along with uh, other films that are taking place and being screened at the film festival. So uh, let's get to my recent conversation with Travis, who is the director, the writer, and the producer of Wesley. And our conversation picks up uh, right when I asked Travis about whether or not he's received any kind of feedback uh, about the film from diehard gun enthusiasts because, again, the film is about a little boy and how he just kind of just kind of accidentally gets involved with dealing with uh, a gun and the post effects of what happens in the story from there. So again, pick up the conversation right where I asked Travis about uh, whether or not he's received any feedback from, you know, really diehard gun enthusiasts about the topic matter of the film. So let's pick up there and take a listen to the rest of my conversation with writer, director, producer, Travis a-N-D-R-A-D-E, just so I will not mispronounce his last name. So let's take a listen. Uh, encountering with this culture, the better off we're going to be. And I don't think that bringing that subject to light is necessarily taking a position of, you know, pro-gun or anti-gun or something. And that's not really the conversation. And in fact, that's the conversation they want to have on Talking Head Media at night. And that doesn't really get us anywhere. Um, and so th- this is, I would hope, 
would kind of, um, you know, contribute to the, com- the more nuanced conversation of, like, why kids would go after, you know, the acquisition of a gun. Why is it particularly with young males? Um, why is it a kind of right to passage? What are the historical implications of that? Where does that come from? Where is it going? Um, you know, and just sort of the, the macro sort of cultural psychology, you know, look at it, at the issue. Yeah, why can't the rites of passage be? Remember when we the rite of passage was getting inherited our brother or sister's bicycle or, you know, sure. something like that, or skateboard? Yeah, and I mean, yeah. some of it is regional, but you do encounter it kind of everywhere. I, my back, a little bit about my background real quick. I'm from California originally, Northern California, but my family moved to the Mid-South when I was, uh, in, to Tennessee specifically, when I was uh, 13. And uh, I lived in New York City, and I live in L.A. now. So I've lived in, a, a, you know, kind of a few different regions. But I, I primarily grew up in Memphis and Nashville. And, um, uh, you know, you, you do find the culture, uh, it's more concentrated in certain regions. But it, but it is kind of, you know, it's pervasive. It's kind of everywhere. And I don't know what that is. I mean, having partaken in it myself, uh, you know, as a 12-, 13-year-old kid and a friend going, you know, hey, my dad got a new shotgun. Let's go out to the woods and shoot a target or something like that. I mean, this is just this is as American as apple pie. Doesn't necessarily mean it's malicious, but it's just you know a question of where, where does that come from? Um, why do kids uh, seek to do something like that, um, especially with something so dangerous when they, you know know and understand very little about life at that point? Um, and so these are the kind of topics I'm interested in exploring, but. You know, in the context of this short film, we can only just sort of skim the surface of it. Well, I totally understand what you're talking about because I lived in Tennessee, in Nashville, all oh, about 15 years, and I grew up in Texas. So I'm very aware about the sure. something about yeah. those regions and guns. I I once uh, covered a gun show in Nashville, and I had never been to one before because they were advertising. With oh us. yeah, and yeah. I was just amazed. I I it's just a whole different world. <laughs> no. It is. And I mean, you know, you, I think you find that too, you know, outside of a lot of the major cities in America. Um, but, and the, the thing about my, my film is it's really, you know, it's middle class, it's suburban. Um, but, you know, I think sometimes when, when our, when our movies or American culture, our entertainment culture is exported outside the country, people in the UK, I did a couple of interviews in the UK and it was interesting to hear their perspective on it. Um, it's kind of like they, they see it as more like just a black and white issue in terms of like, you know, why don't you just ban guns then, you know? And it's like, you know, as we know, as Americans, it's so much more complicated than that. It is. And, um, and, 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 you know, just because we want to bring this issue to light, it doesn't necessarily mean banning guns is the proper thing to do anyway. I mean, it's, it's, it's more about exploring the psychology of kids and where they're at. And I think that's the kind of conversation that we need to have. Um, but, uh, yes, I mean, you do, you do find it in certain regions it's more concentrated, but, um, you know, it's, 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 you know, not uncommon for a father to bring his very young son out shooting and, and, and teach him gun safety and stuff like that. And it's, you know, it's, it's obviously arguable, you know, that that's a, that that's a good idea, given just the prevalence of guns. I mean, you should, you know, know how to handle one, you know. Uh, properly and safely in the event that they come encounter one. But, um, yeah. Well, now, um, the young man who starts as Wesley, the little boy, he's 
Very good. Was there a, a big nationwide search for the, the child to play as Wesley, or did you kind of already have somebody in mind, or what? No, it was so we did some casting calls here in Los Angeles, and, um, uh, you know, when you do a casting call in L.A., a lot of people show up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if, you're, if you're just a tag at, at all in the least, you know. Um, so once we had fine, fine-tuned kind of the description of what the, the role was, um, I actually did find Jacob Sandler is the kid who plays uh, Wesley in the film, and, and he had played a young Brad Pitt actually in a science fiction movie called Ad Astra, which was a big movie that came out uh, last year, I believe, or two years ago. And he's kind of an up-and-comer. He's doing a lot of independent features and stuff and really talented, super bright kid. And he just had a, a kind of an understanding of what I wanted to do with the film. And, and he also you know, respected the, the seriousness of the subject matter. I mean, it was really quite shocking, actually, just how adult he was. Uh, I think he was 12 years old um, when we met. And so after I met him, all the other auditions I had, it was kind of like, you know, does this kid measure up to Jacob, you know? And um, it was uh, it was a great experience working with him. I was very lucky to find him. Well, the fact that he played a very young Brad Pitt, uh, that says enough right there where his future is going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got a bright future for sure. Well, now, um, so. you know, looking, I'm such a California girl. I just regret so much that I wasn't raised in California. So uh, looking at the exterior shots of your film, it looks like it was shot somewhere like Oxnard or somewhere like that. So where was it filmed? You're not too far off. Yeah, you're not too far off. We uh, we were kind of all over the place. We were in we were in the San Fernando Valley mostly. Oh. Okay. Uh, okay. Most of the time, yeah. Specifically, like in the Silmar area, right outside of Burbank, and then we were over in Northridge, uh, and you know. That's my backyard, basically, now, and um, I'm based in L.A., and that's sort of my backyard, so, you know, I, I wanted to, you know, after a while, I just sort of knew, you know, the, the palm trees and the stuff that, you know, is just going to be unavoidable. You're going to see that, but, uh, you know, I think for what you, what you do see in the film, it could be Arizona, it could be New Mexico, it could be a lot of those kind of places, and I, I wanted to give it a less specific, you know, Los Angeles uh, vibe, so to speak, and make it more kind of, you know, anywhere town, USA, kind of make it look like that, But uh, which I think we achieved. Oh, I guarantee you did. Because when I first, when it's, I don't want to give away too much, but when I first, you know, the first few scenes, I saw the thicker, greener trees. I thought, what did they shoot that in the Midwest? And then I oh, saw Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I loved figuring out, trying to figure out at least where films are shot, when it's not very obvious. Right. But you guys did a really good yeah. job. Really good job. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, we, we were, you know, a small, light crew. Films are really just a labor. You know, you're lucky to have the people on board that you do because they know they're not going to be compensated like they would be on, an, on a larger production, and like many of them are used to, and um, they just bring their all. Mm -hmm. And we had some long days, and actually, fortunately, we had uh, four or five days of shooting, which is just great. Um, a friend of mine is a cinematographer, filmed a, a movie last year. I think it was like a 16-day shoot. It was a feature film. So to have like four or five days is, is, is a good situation for a short film. Yeah, it's ideal time frame, definitely ideal. So now, yeah. um, okay, well, before I wrap this up now, uh, again, Wesley will be screening at this year's Beverly Hills Film Festival, which is 
starting in a matter of hours, actually. Um, yes, so, yeah. Now, will this, is it virtual or will there ha- they have some actual events on site? No, I, I you know, unfortunately, it's all virtual, it's all online. The venues okay. are, are fantastic. It's like Grommet's Chinese Theater and the Writers Guild building and, and such, but um, no, no, unfortunately, none of that stuff will be happening, so it's just on the Internet. But okay. you can find it at uh, Beverly Hills festival.com I believe and um, yeah the festival starts tomorrow okay and so now what about uh, your film Wesley does Wesley have his own website or, or what yes wesleyfilm.com okay you can find uh, the trailer there and some stills and information about where the film will be screening in the future so we're probably halfway through our film festival run and hope to bring it around uh, some more cities over the course of the next six months or so yeah it's a I, I really think the film should be shown to um, students, you know, especially middle school, high school, just yeah. to remind them. Yeah, absolutely. Amy, what have parents had to say about the film? What do parents have to say about the film? I, I haven't spoken to too many parents because I, I haven't been able to screen it in front of a public audience. Um, But, uh, you know, except for online, and it's hard to understand exactly who and how many people are seeing it because of the festivals or, you know, every festival is sort of scrambling to do the best they can do, and and they're doing a great job. They're doing the best that they have to work with, what they have to work with. Um, But I haven't spoken to too many parents, but uh, the the one, you know, kind of bit of feedback that I've been getting from a whole, you know, swath of different kinds of people is just like, it feels really honest. And, I mean, that's just the best compliment I can get as a filmmaker. So It does. It has that, you know, you look at Wesley, the character, you look at his brother, look at their friends, you look at school. It's any town USA. It really is. Yeah. You, you guys did right. a wonderful job with achieving that feel and that look. Really did. Thank you so much. Okay, so what's next for Travis? What's your next project? Oh, oh boy! Well, I'm I'm uh, working on a couple of features, and uh, I've been I'm a screenwriter, and I've been writing for uh, quite a long time. So I've got a couple of feature scripts I hope to move forward with, and I'm working on a, a feature version of this. So it's not exactly the the same plot, but it deals with a lot of the same themes. So hope to get that made. I am so happy to hear that there is going to be a, a, a full, almost halfway full-grown Wesley project coming because I love it when I see um, film shorts. And especially if I like them, and I always like to ask the filmmakers, are there any plans to expand it? Is it going to be full length? Is it TV? Whatever. And I love when you sure. say yes. So can you give us a little bit of insight as to are we going to follow Wesley through high school or college, or, or have you decided yet? Yeah, I mean, it's not – It's I'm probably not there yet on, on the details and on the character development aspect of it. I'm really just kind of working with the themes. It's such a broad subject, yeah. and in a feature film context, there's a great opportunity to explore different facets of that. But I think I would like to bring in a lot of other characters and their unique perspectives on the subject. So it won't necessarily revolve around Wesley, uh, the main character of the short film. Oh, okay. Kind of. Kind of same subject matter, topic matter, but different. I was hoping we'd see our our little actor guy uh, come back, or well, maybe you will. You decide. You decide. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I would love to the chance to work with him again. He was yeah. he's great. Yeah, he was. You could tell, very talented little guy. Um, but anyway, uh, the film, the website again is wesleyfilm.com. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Okay, so everybody can go and 
click on there and uh, people, the Beverly Hills Film Festival. And then you've got another one coming right behind, well, uh, the New Haven International Film Festival, yes. May 12th through the 15th. And then you have the Big Apple Film Festival, May 25th through 27th. Uh, so, yeah, you, as I said, Wesley is traveling all over for the summer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah, we've been really fortunate, hopefully. And we, uh, like I said earlier, I, I hope we get the chance to show the film in other places. And I would love to show the film in, in uh, Mid-South, where I grew up, and yes. um, we're waiting for an opportunity to do so. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it, oh goodness, yes, from all of that. The Mid South, yeah. all the way, all the way across to Florida, all the way up to the Carolinas, that whole region, and we're not, Absolutely. we're not knocking people who, because I'm from those those areas. So, but but what we're saying is true. There is a more of an interest or or something about guns in that region of America more so than maybe other parts of the country. It just is. It's just that's just the way it is. Yeah. Right. So anyway, uh, thank you so much, Travis, for such a nice, very nice film. Very well done. And thank you for taking the time to chat because I know you've got a lot going on between right now and uh, tomorrow's opening screening for the Beverly Hills Film Festival. But, so thank you for taking the time. Thank you for having me, Jan. It's wonderful to talk to you, and thanks for watching the film. Absolutely. So I would, again, love to talk with you, uh, Wesley 2.0, when that comes, you know, the next phase of it. I'd love to talk to you again. We'll do so, definitely. Okay, thank you again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Janice. Thanks. Okay. This is Drew and Jonathan Scott, The Property Brothers, and you are listening to Film Festival Radio with Janice Malone. Okay, thank you, Travis, for giving us some more insight on your film. Again, it's titled Wesley. I think it's a, as I said to Travis, I think this is a really important film for parents, especially, to look at. It's very entertaining. It's not uh, preachy or anything like that. So uh, it's a very entertaining. So no wonder it's won so many awards. So uh, if you are anywhere you want to catch the Beverly Hills Film Festival. You can see Wesley, of course, in other films. Go to BeverlyHillsFilmFestival.com. The festival starts today all the way through Sunday, May 2nd. Okay, to further speak, uh, well, before I get to that, you can always write us, info at FilmFestivalRadio.com. And we are now heard on so many of the top podcasts of the world, Apple, uh, podcast, uh, Google podcast, iHeartRadio Network podcast, TuneIn, uh, just so many. It's, I think we're like 15 different leading podcasts that you can hear our show on. Spotify is another one. You can't you can't miss us. We're we're everywhere. We are totally everywhere. We've been doing this show since 2007 on podcasting, and uh, of course that was back when no one knew what a podcast was or cared what a podcast was, but we were here. We were right here for you guys since 2007. But anyway, to further speak of film festivals, you can, um, oh, before, info at filmfestivalradio.com. They have to hold a sign up to remind me to tell the email address of the show, info at filmfestivalradio.com. Now, that brings me to our next two guests. They are the founders of the internationally acclaimed Lady Filmmakers Film Festival. 
Yes, they have been uh, doing this festival. I believe this is their 13th year. And we're talking about my upcoming guest here, Patricia DeSalvo Vieira and her husband, Mike Vieira. And they have a lot going on starting this weekend, May 1. And what has happened is their film festival has joined forces and combined uh, with the Film Festival Flix, F-L-I-X, channel. It's a new streaming channel, and it's going to launch worldwide this coming Saturday, May 1st. And this is, uh, this is exciting news, especially for well, filmmakers throughout the world, but especially for uh, female women uh, filmmakers, because that is generally what their film festival is all about, lady film. Makers exactly as part of their title. And they are, of course, are very excited to uh, talk with us and share with the public about this uh, new streaming channel that will be done in conjunction with Film Festival Flicks. And for people like me and millions of you out there listening, uh, that's good news for us as well because you will, we will all be able to uh, see all kinds of different uh, films from the past, the present, and the future, and we can see them on this new streaming channel. And so, uh, I don't want to give away too much because we want uh, them to tell us more about it than Patricia and Mike to you know, themselves to tell us more about it. But anyway, I, let me tell you this much. Uh, this new streaming channel will have over 150 plus projects with full length films, short film shorts, live action uh, shorts, documentaries, uh, animated films, uh, all kinds of just, just a garden variety, a beautiful bouquet of films and, you know, any types of projects pertaining to films. You can find them on this new upcoming streaming channel that will launch again on Saturday, May 1st. And so, as I said, I want to, we're waiting for them to get on board here. They'll be here shortly, just about a, maybe 20, 30 more seconds here. We'll have them on board. There's going to be a lot of celebration uh, on Saturday, May 1, at, for the launching. Uh, they're going to have a live DJ. They're going to have uh, really cool tech house music tunes. They're going to have interviews with a lot of celebrity guests and just a lot, especially uh, for the subscribers. And the subscription is a subscriber-based film channel like so many are, and it's a very minimal price, believe me. We spend more money than what this is going to cost. We, we do. We spend more money at McDonald's and our favorite coffee places and such. So uh, without any more, we got them on board. Uh, let me be quiet and let me bring on my guest for this segment. Again, we're talking about to talk to Patricia DeSalvo Vieira and her husband, Mike Vieira. And they are, again, are the founders of the Lady Filmmakers Film Festival as they chat with us about this new streaming service that they are going to have combined their film festival with uh, the Film Festival Flicks network, so channel, I should say. So let's bring them on board right now and get all of the details as to how I can subscribe and you can subscribe and all people listening out of the year can subscribe so that we can see these wonderful films throughout the year. So let's bring, uh, let's bring up their microphones, Patricia and Mike, right this very minute. So let's bring them on board right now. 
Okay. <laughs> so here we are. Uh, we've got the founders of the official, the official, not the fake, the official Lady Filmmakers uh, Film Festival, which uh, is in its 13th year. And so, uh, Patricia, we have uh, pronounced your last name for me correctly because I don't want to mess it up. Sure. Um, my name is uh, Patricia DeSalvo Vieira, and yeah. uh, my husband's Mike Vieira. Yeah. Okay. Well, we got. I, I hate mispronouncing people's last names. I always like to ask them first. So, okay, the film festival uh, has been in existence for 13 years, and so uh, tell everybody how this wonderfully sounding festival obviously is specifically for ladies and talented filmmakers. So how did you guys start this festival? Uh, well, basically, you know, we were just inspired by uh, some talented women filmmakers that uh, we came across when making, you know, our very first film uh, years ago and uh, realized, you know, obviously there's this whole, you know, fun business side of things <laughs> and how, um, you know, once I looked into that, uh, just what a tiny percentage of women were you know, hired as uh, directors, cinematographers, and uh, and I just was like, you know, maybe, you know, we can help change that by showing, you know, having a great um, event where we're showcasing very talented women filmmakers and, um, you know, not focusing just on women directors, but also focusing on, you know, all the main leadership uh, creative team members uh you know, writer, director, producer, cinematographer, editor, production designer. So, um, you know, we just wanted to make sure we brought attention to, you know, this other key leadership roles that are underrepresented in the industry. Okay. And 13 years later, here we are. Here we yeah. Are. <laughs> well, now, I understand that as, uh, in addition to uh, the film festival will be uh, – take place later on this year, but let's talk about what's happening Saturday, May 1st. Uh, you, your festival, you and your husband's festival has uh, combined forces with film festival Flicks, uh, this new streaming service. So tell everybody about this, this uh, merger here, what's going on and what's going to happen on May 1. Hello, this is Mike. Um, oh, one Mike. thing that happened at a festival every year was there was so much good content that people said, where can we see these films again? And uh, originally we just had to say, well, you can talk to the filmmakers and see where they are on the film festival circuit and where else they'll be. Now we're excited that uh, we get to offer the opportunity for our great films to have a distribution outlet so they can be seen worldwide on our Lady Filmmakers channel. So we're starting with uh, a number of films in the past few years uh, from our festival that are invited to come join the channel, as well as a few other films that uh, also we've curated and we're launching with over 100 films available on our channel uh, starting May 1st. It sounds like it's going to be very exciting. Um, I see where you're going to, I mean, a huge celebration, live interviews, special guests, music performances, and such. So can you tell us um, who are some of your special guests? Um, so, so far we have a really cool 
DJ, um, her name is Tori Waddington, also known as uh, Wave Report, and she's going to be uh, DJing the entire time. And we're actually um, going to have her take over our Instagram live, and she'll be um, basically, you know, playing the whole time, and people can just in, hang out and enjoy her music the whole time. Um, and uh, if they open up their Facebook account, um, they'll also be able to um, catch uh, live clips of interviews along the way. And then we're also going to have uh, a really cool um, couple of, I think, two songs from um, alternative metal rock artists, Melissa Vox. Um, a lot of people might know her from her band, Judith Priestess. Okay. They uh, play a lot in L.A. on Sunset, cool venues um, in New York City, things like that. Uh, but, um, yeah, those are our musical guests. And then we've got um, two really funny um, hosts that will be uh, doing our interviews and trivia. <laughs> oh, that's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. So yeah. it's, it's films, independent films, and off music, and a whole lot more, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, you know, we're hoping we'll have a couple of our, um, you know, celebrity uh, actors um, join us on the red carpet, but uh, we're waiting patiently to hear back from a few people right now. Now, uh, I do want to make note that this is a uh, new streaming channel, but it has a uh, very small fee for a subscriber service, but it's so worth it. We spend for only four ninety nine a month. We spend more than that at getting our favorite coffee. Um, but look at the films people can get, and I understand the, the uh, channel is a going to be available on Roku, Fire Stick, Apple TV, and Android devices. So um, where can people sign up? What do they need to do? So basically they just go to filmfestivalflix.com and uh, literally on their homepage they'll see uh, an icon for the Lady Filmmakers channel. Click on that and then just hit subscribe. And right now if they sign up before May 1st, so by April 30th, uh, they can get um, a monthly subscription for literally $2.50 a month, whereas we're doing this introductory pricing, or they can sign up for an entire year for $49.99. So, um, so that's a little special that we're doing um, to thank people for, you know, taking a chance, you know, being one of the first to um, to sign up with us. And then once you sign up for an account online, then uh, worldwide you'd have access online. So you could use your computer uh, online, uh, um, then, then you could use, use your phone. And then if you have other devices, Roku, uh, Fire Stick, those kind of things, you can um, download the app for Film Festival Flicks. Like on your TV? On your TV or okay. other device. And then you can set the uh, Quick Lady Filmmakers on there. So you sign up online first, and then you can uh, expand to whatever device you normally watch uh, TV on. Now, your film festival uh, over the years, you have screened uh, – films that have gone on to uh, win Academy Awards for actors and filmmakers and film shorts and such. What did you guys think about um, last night's Academy Awards? Any surprises or, or what? Um, actually, you know, the, um, the, the, the competitive, the, the films that were in the race were, you know, um, I think all – really good films that, uh, you know, just to be honest, we, we've been waiting to see the, those Oscar-nominated films in the movie theater. So uh, we haven't really watched the majority of the ones that were on there last night. So, uh, But I, 
I do, you know, based, based on what people were saying and what we were reading about, you know, reviews of the films, it definitely seems like everything was pretty much um, on point. A few upsets here and there, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> but I actually thought that um, the ceremony was actually pretty cool, the way they, you know, the format. Um, I think they handled things very well. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the having it part of it at Union Station, it kind of brought that uh, old school Hollywood ambiance to it, as far as the background and decorations and such, which is was good to see. Actually, good. To see. Yeah, I mean, having the DJ, the DJ was cool. And I was like, oh, cool, we're having a DJ too. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, okay, okay. So tell everybody about your upcoming uh, festival. What so far, what can we expect? And, uh, you know, you guys kind of have dual cities going on with this. So tell us more about this, your festival. So um, normally, in, you know, pre-COVID times, um, you know, we, uh, the last festival that we had in person um, in the theater um, was in Beverly Hills. Uh, it was five days. We had an amazing opening night party inside at a Beverly Hills hotel, big closing night party at a, you know, fancy Beverly Hills restaurant, um, nightly parties, networking events, panels, movies, um, lots of fun, um, you know, music, uh, performances. And, you know, um, hopefully we'll be able to do do that in the fall. I don't know. But um, we're, we're looking at having a, a rooftop event, event in New York City where we'll get to screen uh, a few films and have a nice networking event, uh, maybe, you know, a speaker, we'll, we'll see sometime uh, later this summer. And then, um, you know, we'll just have to see what's, what's best to, to do in Beverly Hills or, you know, L.A. if it's an outdoor event. I don't know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just no. have to see, you know, safe. Well, either city, roof, I love rooftop events, and I don't care what city it's in. I just love them. So that sounds like a lot of fun. And you can still, people can still think, kind of sort of maintain their distance. They're six feet apart. Rooftops are huge, of course. But that will work, indeed. Well, yeah. Okay, so I understand your festival has created a new category for uh, music, films, and arts, and things of uh, topics in that genre. So tell us about the new category. Yeah, so um, so people can submit uh, like a song or they can submit, uh, you know, art. So it could be like a, basically they'd be submitting a photo of a painting um, or a sculpture uh, or a photograph. And then um, if they were selected, then they would be invited to um, basically exhibit their work at our festival and or perform at our festival. Okay, that's so very to, different. To follow up on that, um, just as an example, we had a uh, an awesome song get submitted last year, and it actually became uh, not only our song for our theme for our festival trailer, um, it basically she had a live performance at the uh, closing award ceremony. So, you know, we just like to offer not only filmmakers opportunity, but just artists in general. And we've, we've had this category for a while. It's just now I think we're getting the recognition and getting the songwriters, um, the artists to submit these things that we started years ago. And that is so needed. Uh, I used to live in Nashville for many years, and so many songwriters would, you know, want that kind of a, an entity 
uh, for their songs and for films. They were always trying to figure out how could they get their films, their their songs into films and such. So I think this is awesome that you guys have this now. That's awesome. It was great to have the song. Again, it went very well. Um, the song went very well with the theme of our festival. Well, Ladylike. And Ladylike mm-hmm. was the name of the song. Yeah. And so, um, But even the year before, we had uh, a filmmaker that had a music video. So she was a songwriter, had a music video. We screened her uh, video as part of our festival, and she performed live at our closing ceremony. So oh. it's a nice uh, collaborative effort to showcase these artists. Mm-hmm. But also, yeah, we also yeah. had a piano. Yeah. Um, but to showcase the artists, as well as celebrate um, and enjoy their live performances. It's very cool. Now, I know in the past uh, your festival has had some top, you've done uh, honors, uh, top honorees, uh, household name people, you know, Sharon Storm, Vivica Fox, so many. So for this year's festival, have you decided yet who will some uh, an honoree or two be all already or what? Um, I think we're going to be um – Honoring uh, Marsha Nassiter uh, this this year, uh, she is a pioneering uh, woman in uh, basically studio system. She was, I think, one of the first women studio heads at uh, United Artists. Uh, we have a, a really great documentary called A Classy Broad, basically about her life and also highlights other um, trailblazer, you know, pioneering women in uh, the industry. And so we're hoping to do a nice event uh, around that, either the summer or in the fall. Again, we're, we're we're talking about like you know, do we do in person? We try to wait, or you know, do something virtual. We're we're you know, basically talking with um, that team right now okay, okay. <laughs> about that. It's just yeah, and I go. And, you know, we'll see if there's a no. Go ahead, please. Oh no, you know we're that's that's what we're focusing on right now. And so, uh, are both of you, or maybe one of you, are you guys also filmmakers? Is that how you got into the film festival business, or what? Yes. Um, I'm a writer, director, and um, I have to be a producer. <laughs> As I like to say, I'm, you know, I have to produce at this point. Um, and then uh, Mike is my producing partner. Okay, that's very good. That's always helpful, so you know both sides of uh, filmmaking there. You know how to market, promote it, and make the film. So that's very good, very helpful. And yeah, I think it helps us with the perspective of, of how to um, to try to make the nicest possible um, events for filmmakers and make it a worthwhile experience that they feel is enriching to them career-wise and creatively. That's good to hear. So um, lastly here, are films, independent films, I should say, are more and more filmmakers wanting to go the independent route or, you know, are some filmmakers still trying to knock on those big studio, Hollywood studio doors or where do you guys see this going? I think it's a combination. I mean, you know, people love the freedom of doing their own thing. Um, of course, nobody loves the, you know, financial burden of doing their own independent project. Oh, yes. um, but, but I think the creative and artistic expression and, um, uh, you know, that I think everybody, you know, you know all artists or filmmakers are going to still want to do that, you know, whether or not they, 
they get the studio gig or not. But yeah, I mean, everybody's, you know, wanting to know, you know, how can they, you know, pitch to Netflix or how can they pitch to Amazon? Um, you know, all of that. That's, that's certainly there. Um, you know, that's kind of where the industry is right now is trying to, oh, yeah. you know, get something in to get funded by you know, the, one of those big streamers. But, um, no, I think just from a creative standpoint, that people still want to be able to, you know, do their own thing on the side. And, and we get a lot of those projects. The the films that we have by, you know, Academy Award-winning filmmakers or actors, um, you know, a lot of times those are passion projects that they're involved with, whether it's something that they've done personally or they've, you know, come on as a producer. Um, that's, that's, you know, that's the, those are the, the cool projects that we see from, you know, big studio people. Well, to round this off, uh, to further go back to streaming networks, again, tell everyone uh, the big date you guys are uh, having is this Saturday, May 1. So tell everybody again how they can become a part and have fun with the big launch, uh, your festival with Film Festival Flicks. So tell everybody how they can join up and have some fun with this. Yeah, so basically go to filmfestivalflicks.com. Sign up, um, you know, on the Lady Filmmakers channel and uh, subscribe. And literally, you know, if you just want to test this out, it's only $2.50, or you can go ahead and lock in the discount for the whole year. Um, you won't you won't be sorry. We're going to have live workshops and panels um, that, you know, people you know, usually pay a lot of money for anyway. So, we're, so since we're going to be online, um, even at $4.99 a month, um, having a great panel or workshop every month, in of itself is, is worth it. And then you get all these other great films, and we're going to be um, streaming um, series as well. We've got some great series lined up, comedies. And, um, yeah, just uh, – and then once you subscribe, you can also watch it anywhere in the world, or you can watch it on devices that are available where you're at, like Roku, Apple TV, Fire Stick, or Android. Okay. And uh, May is our big kickoff event and, you know, available to subscribers where you're going to get the uh, exclusive, uh, you know, inside, you know, tr- uh, experience of, of hearing the, the inter- all the interviews, the full interviews and the full entertainment. I really like that part about you having the, the workshops. Uh, those are so helpful for uh, filmmakers who are trying to figure it all out and just, just helpful information is to have. And that's a good price. Just that's almost free with the little, you know, the small amount for the subscription. And then you get the workshops and all of the panel discussions all in one. That's, that's awesome. You guys, that's very awesome. So. Thanks. Yeah. We've got, we've got pre-recorded panels and we also are going to be doing, you know, live speaker series or workshops, things like that. So um, for May, we also have um, uh, the director of dimensions, who's also um, we're widely known for her art direction and big studio films, um, Sloan Yaren. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her last name correctly, but she's doing a, uh, a speaker series event uh, one-on-one on May 15th. We're also doing Q&As with our filmmakers on the 15th, and then we also are doing the same day. So it's almost like a mini festival, how we're, we're going to be scheduling these events. Um, and then uh, we're also doing a cinematography um, workshop with um, the most common lighting setups, um, how to talk with your cinematographer, um, you know, ask, 
asking questions, things like that. So, um, so that's, you know, May's pretty busy. <laughs> it sounds like it already. Well, we have a lot of listeners. Uh, our show airs on two podcast networks in India. So that's good to know that if people sign up, uh, for the streaming service, anybody all over the world can hear, uh, some of these amazing and talented uh, people on these workshops and panels and seminars and such that uh, you guys are planning on. So that's very good to know. So any closing, close-out remarks from either one of you? Oh, thank you very much for having us. And uh, Mike, you want to say something? Hey, we're very excited about this. Again, uh, we had our film festival online last year worldwide. And a drive-in. Okay. Oh, wow, cool. <laughs> It's exciting to see that filmmakers from around the world uh, picking up on this content and just be able to expand this. Uh, you know, we look forward to continuing to expand our film festival, hopefully soon in person with drive-ins, with our channel, and also um, going back and getting other films from all 13 years, not just the past four years. So it's a pretty exciting time now. And, uh, uh, yeah, we just look forward to just supporting all these awesome filmmakers in their uh, journey. Yeah, we, we're loving, like, going back and rewatching some of our old favorite films over the years. It's been pretty cool. And then, and then reconnecting with the filmmakers and, and, you know, slowly catching up with like where they are today, um, career wise and creatively. It's, it's, it's been really cool. Oh yeah. I love the, the, where are they now updates on film and television and music. I'm like what's whatever happened to the cast of Barney Miller, you know, those kind of things. Uh, whatever the film or music is, that's fun to do. And I know it, it's a, a, probably a proud moment when you guys catch up with uh, film, former filmmakers whose movies have screened at your festival to now see what they're doing. That's probably a lot of fun for you as well. It is. Like, we kind of feel like, you know, like proud parents, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's so good that your festival made an impact and still making an impact on their careers. That's so much fun. That's what it's all about, part of it at least. Well, anyway, yes. Mike and Patricia, thank you guys so much for the chat. And uh, I look forward to having you, if you have time, to come back on when your festival uh, launches, you know, whatever cities, all three cities or all two or four, however many. We would just love for you to come back on to promote your festival when it gets ready for this year. Uh, we'd be honored. And, and definitely we always can, can use the, the extra bump of uh, promotion okay. uh, being a, a boutique film festival. And, uh, yeah, and with us doing – kind of just going with the flow and pivoting where we need to, to, to just deal with what's going on in the world right now. Absolutely. Okay. So I sounds very excited. Okay. I would definitely love to talk with you. Okay. Well, I look forward to it, and I really have enjoyed talking to both of you. So have a great rest of the week. <laughs> you too. Thanks so much for having us. Okay. Thank take you. care then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.
Okay, thank you so much uh, again for uh, the, just all the insights, Patricia and Mike, about their uh, exciting news that will take place with the uh, the launching of the new streaming channel with uh, it's, uh, Film Festival Flix. So again, all of the fun starts happening this coming Saturday, May 1st at 5.30 p.m. I believe that's, gosh, I cannot, oh, I can't remember if that's, what time zone that is in. Uh, I think the best thing to do is to make sure you can go to ladyfilmmakers.com. Yeah, ladyfilmmakers.com. Or uh, this is another uh, uh, channel, site, I should say, website. Go to filmfestivalflix.com forward slash festival forward slash mark again, lady uh, dash filmmakers-channel, and that will take you directly to uh, the channel. Let me give it to you one more time. It's filmfestivalflix.com forward slash festival forward slash mark lady-filmmakers-channel or ladyfilmmakers.com. Makers.com, and there you can get all of the details, get everything in case you didn't have time to jot down anything that we were talking about. Sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun, and I think I'll join in as well and go and celebrate with everybody else there. Okay, well, before we sign off, want to roll back uh, just a couple of days ago. I had a chance to talk to Brian Lowry, who is the senior writer for CNN Media and Entertainment. And he and I talked immediately after, that was Monday, late Monday afternoon, we talked about uh, post-Oscar talk. Of course, the 93rd Annual Academy Awards took place this past Sunday. And um, it was interesting, as, as always with the Academy Awards, it's always interesting. But this year was even more interesting in that one of the things is that the ratings were the lowest of the low. I mean, they had under 10 million viewers. I believe the official number was like 9.85 million. And for an Academy Award show, that is unprecedented. Now, of course, like with so many businesses, the pandemic, we have a pandemic problem, obviously. But there, I think um, with all of the big major award shows, they've been hit with low ratings. And it's a lot. It's a lot of factors. So Brian wrote uh, a very in-depth article about the Oscars and the, let me, in all fairness, the producers, directors, they had already said that they expect for the ratings to be low last week, even before the show took place. But I don't know if they were expecting them to be this low. But Brian did do an article about the potential of, of the ratings being very low. Uh, he did that article on April 20th, and I'm sure it's on the CNN.com website. You can find it if you want to get more details. Very well done, as always, with Brian. Um, in addition to being senior writer for CNN Media and Entertainment, among Brian's many achievements in his career, and there are a lot of them, he has written two authorized companion guides to the Fox series, The X-Files. And just those two achievements alone are enough for me to be a fan of Brian's for a lifetime because I was a big, big fan of The X-Files, especially in the early years. Well, 
Let's bring up my chat with Brian this past Monday post-Oscar as we talk about topics such as the show's low ratings, uh, surprise wins and losses, which movies, you know, was he surprised that won or lost, and just everything Oscar, post-Oscar conversation. So let's, again, bring on Brian Lowry from CNN Media Entertainment to talk some Oscar talk with me that we did last Monday. So let's take a listen. Hi, Brian. This is Janice Malone with CNN. You're with CNN. With Film Festival I, I Radio. I'm with CNN. You're with CNN. I'm just, this has been a very long day here, but. It, it has, yeah. <laughs> well, Brian, I would imagine uh, covering the Oscars, you have probably been up all night, or have you? Uh, no, I wasn't up. I wasn't up all night, but I didn't get much sleep. Well, okay. So, yeah, it's been, it's, it's been, it's been a long day, so. <laughs> A long day indeed. I, I can definitely imagine that. Well, okay, let's just jump right in here. We're less than 24 hours after the big night. Okay. Um, award, the uh, ratings down 58% since last year, all-time low. And I know you wrote a big article uh, last week about the, the ratings. Potentially. So what do you have to say about this? Well, I think it was predictable the ratings were going to be down. I think it's still jarring to see them down as far as they were. Um, you know, it, you don't have to go back that far uh, to, to when the Oscars were still doing more than 40 million viewers. So to see a less than $10 million, a $10 million, $10 million uh, viewer figure on the show is, is really kind of jaw-dropping if you know anything about the history. You know, the, the truth is is that this has been, this is more than just the Oscars. This has been award shows across the board. It's been broadcast television generally across the board, but um, it still reflects, you know, I think that this was, uh, one, an unusual year, and two, that the sort of whole award show apparatus is in a kind of free fall right now. And so... Of course, the pandemic is affecting everything in our lives, including especially entertainment. So, I mean, is it just the pandemic only about the downfall in the ratings? Or do you think, as some people are saying, that it's just the overall, maybe the theme and maybe some of the movies were not as, as popular or known this year? or just, Or is it a combination of a lot of things? I think it's really a combination of a lot of things. I think, you know, for, for starters, there's just a dizzying amount of content available, um, and it's hard to keep track of anything and, you know, harder and harder for anything to break through. And the Oscars have, you know, have separated really from honoring popular movies. Um, yeah, there was a really interesting story in Variety a few weeks ago about how uh, since The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King won Best Picture in 2004, uh, not a single Best Picture winner has cracked the top ten at the box office, and actually the average position for one of them has been 48th uh, globally. So what you've seen is this sort of schism between the popular blockbuster films that people flock to the multiplex to see, you know, or used to, not too long ago, and the kind of movies that get awards attention. And, you know, it's, I, I think there are a lot of factors at play here, but I do think that one of the, 
the biggest things for an award show to overcome is when people uh, turn it on and haven't seen the nominees, aren't invested who win, in who wins, and have no rooting interest. And if you don't have that, I think it creates uh, some real hurdles that you know are hard to come no matter how many bells and whistles you put into the show. I've uh, been reading so many articles on social media and other places. Uh, some people have called this year's show uh, a woke fest. Uh, do you agree with that, or what's, what's your spin on that? No, you know, I, I, that's kind of a common complaint. And, um, you know, I mean, it was funny. After the Golden Globes um, did terribly in, in January, um, or I guess it was February, uh, I, I, you know, I saw some people saying, well, that's, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be lectured to by Mark Ruffalo. And I, I was thinking, if you're really not going to watch the Golden Globes because you don't want to hear Mark Ruffalo mention climate change, you probably weren't going to watch the Golden Globes anyways. Okay. I mean, I think that, that to an extent, I think there's certainly people who are turned off by that. But I really think that for, you know, that's been well enough known long enough that it's been, I think it's baked into, the, the numbers decline. So I think it I think it goes beyond that. Now, of course, you've covered the Academy Awards and these major film and television award shows for many years. Uh, were there any surprise wins or surprise losses for you that you had predicted or not predicted? Well, there were, yeah. There, oh, go ahead. No, no, I just moved my tape there. Oh. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, there certainly were a few things I was surprised by. Um, you know, I thought uh, Chadwick Boseman was going to win. I thought there was just enough sentiment uh, around the, his, you know, very, very tragic and untimely death that it, it felt like there was this groundswell behind him. Um, and then, you know, Anthony Hopkins won at the BAFTAs, and uh, there was some question about, well, you know, that's not an unsentimental choice either. I mean, first off, he was uh, absolutely sensational in the movie, The Father. And secondly, at 83 years old, he's the oldest person ever to win an Oscar and uh, in one of the acting categories. And, you know, for, a, for an industry that practices ageism as aggressively as Hollywood often does, that was that was kind of a nice thing, too. So I think that was the biggest surprise to me. Um, I had a, a feeling that Frances McDormand was going to win, but uh, I wouldn't certainly have been surprised to see three or four other people in that category win. But I think the I think the Bozeman one was the one that probably uh, you know would have blown up more Oscar pools than almost any other. I was really surprised that Mank didn't win with ten nominations in some of the bigger categories. Um, but, I mean, they got, what was it, two, I believe. So that's better than zero, of course. Yeah, I mean, they got a couple of the technical awards. It was, an, it was an interesting year in the sense that nothing really dominated. Um, you know, you have those years where a movie goes in and, and there's just momentum behind it and it sweeps seven or eight awards or, you know, nine, ten, eleven on the really big years. Um, this year, they're uh, – Nomadland won three awards, and then five other movies won two. So the wealth was really spread around among a lot of films. Um, I think, you know, I think the other thing that can't be kind of overlooked regarding this year is 
Um, even with the extended award calendar and adding another two months to it because of the pandemic, uh, a number of movies that would have likely competed, not necessarily for Best Picture, but in other categories, were postponed and pushed out of eligibility so that they could get a theatrical release after things returned to some greater sense of normalcy. And so a number of movies that might have made, you know, a dent or made some kind of noise in this year's awards simply weren't there. And I think it, uh, it jumbled the nominations a bit also. Well, I just, I was kind of hoping that, that's just my personal hoping, uh, feeling through, uh, I was kind of hoping that it would have won. I, I'm kind of biased because I uh, interviewed the director, Doug Rowland, but that's just me. But it's still a good, <laughs> it's still a good film short. Well, okay, let me ask you a couple of last questions here. Um, this whole uh, not having a regular host, is that do you see that continuing on with the Oscars or what? You know, I think um, I think that's been a mistake. Um, I think the one year when the first year when they went without a host, um, I think it was interesting because it was an interesting experiment. I think every subsequent year it's been it's been a bad idea, and I think it's basically it's not so much because of what the host brings to the show but rather um, what the host brings to helping promote the show. You know, when Chris Rock hosted the Oscars, he wasn't really around that much. But the idea of having Chris Rock host the Oscars or Jon Stewart host the Oscars, what's he going to say, even Billy Crystal, what's the video package going to look like this year, was something for people to kind of talk about and hang their hat on. And, you know, otherwise it's just an award show like every other award show um, or every other version of the Oscars, and, and there's nothing really new to say about it. So I think going without a host has been a mistake. And, you know, I think looking forward, I mean, I think they, they took advantage of the fact that they knew the ratings were going to be lower this year to experiment a bit with things like not handing out Best Picture last. Um, I think most of the changes they made were uh, misguided at best, and a few were were just downright strange. So, um, you know, I think they've had a chance to play with the format a little bit, and maybe they've learned um, some of the things that they might have thought about doing or people had wanted them to do, that once you saw them up on screen, like letting people talk and talk and talk, uh, really weren't such great ideas. Is the Academy open to suggestions, like a suggestion box, a golden suggestion box from the viewers, <laughs> the public? I mean, are they open to, you know, hey, why, why don't you do this or try this or, or, or what? Well, I don't, I don't know necessarily to the public, you know, and Lord knows I've dispensed enough of uh, unsolicited advice about, about the Oscars over the years. But, um, you know, I think, I think that oftentimes when you talk about, making changes to an award show, um, there's a tremendous amount of resistance within a group that has as much tradition built into it as the Academy. And a number like this, even though all award shows were down this year, the ratings that award shows got this year, they may be anomalous, they may not be this bad next year, you know, if things uh, are are better. But uh, I think it does 
create some incentive to make some changes. And, you know, I don't know exactly what that's going to be. A few years ago, the Oscars uh, floated the prospect of adding a popular film category to try to get something, you know, like a Marvel movie or a Star Wars movie recognized within the show. It was shot down pretty quickly by the membership. Um, I, I suspect some of those kind of ideas will be floated again or will be back on the table Um and there may, you know, there may be less of an argument against them. And finally, well, one young lady who had a ball last night, of course, was the fabulous Glenn Close. I mean, she <laughs> she dropped it like it was hot. She twerked what she got. I mean, she was fabulous doing on the butt. What's been? She was just. I just enjoyed her so much. So, what's been the fallout in the comments this morning and this afternoon from her? <laughs> from her performance on that, having fun. Well, you know, it, it was that was great, and it was an example of one of those, in a weird sort of way, um, that's an example of one of the problems these award shows face, which was the moment where Glenn Close, you know, kind of did that and let her hair down um, was, was great, and it felt, you know, like it, it was fun, and it brought an energy to the show, and it was, on social media, you know, th seemingly three minutes after it happened on the show. And that's one of the real hurdles that these all these award shows face now, which is in the, you know, in the current age, you don't necessarily have to sit through a three-and-a-half-hour telecast that's filled with a lot of filler and a lot of yawns and a lot of groans when all of the highlights are going to be there for you to enjoy, you know, a few minutes later, if you're patient and have a working modem. Um, so, you know, it, it just seems like one of the things is is that in a three-and-a-half-hour, even the best three-and-a-half-hour award show, there's probably ten minutes of really good stuff you need to see. And I think a lot of people have lost the habit of feeling like they have to watch all that live. They'll just watch it after or watch it the next day. And I'm guilty as of doing that, so <laughs> I really am. I mean, schedules, you know what that's like better than anyone, but sometimes you just kind of have to fast-forward through things like that. But uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it last year. I always enjoy it every year. But anyway, I know you've got a rest of your evening is jam-packed, so thank you so much. I really do enjoy your work and your writings on uh CNN, and so thank you for chatting with us and giving us some backstory behind the scenes post Academy Awards insight. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, take care. Bye bye. All right, bye bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio. 
with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com.